Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, the ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit. My name is Ryan. It's my honor to, to host and serve as the Connections Pastor here at Journey. We're in message seven of the 10 week series called Chasing Perfection. And we've been, of course, uh, diving into Matthew chapter 5, really focusing in this current series on Jesus and marriage. And uh, Pastor Christian, I, I just wanted to say before we kind of started here, um, I really appreciate the time and energy you've spent in preparing these messages, trying to strengthen the marriages of our church and community. What, In, in your opinion, why, why are strong and lasting marriages so important, um, not only to our community, but really around the world? So, you know, I, in myself, I don't have the answer to that question. Um, I don't know that my opinion or even my experiences in 20 plus years um, in ministry matter, but the word of God does um, because God, God gave us his special revelation to show us how he would prefer the world to work. Right. And, and he created this, the special creation in perfection. So you look at the first seven days of creation and they were created in, in total perfection. And the only relational unit that was put together in the first seven days of perfection was, was the marriage, was the family. I'm, so you say, why, why is marriage so important? Why are strong marriages so important to me? They're important to me. Because I want the things that are important to God to be important to me. I want to be like the Apostle Paul who said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who gave his life for me. Like I, I want to lose every opinion and preference that I was born with if it doesn't align with the opinion and preference of Jesus. And I want to learn the things that are near and dear to him and to his heart so they can become near and dear to me. And when I read through scripture for some reason, um, unbeknownst to me, and we can, we can, we can give all of the statistics that, that tell why strong marriages and strong families are important to a community. And, and they are, but, but those are only symptoms of health behind a good thing that God created in marriage. So strong marriages are important to me because I believe that they're important to God. I believe they they are important to a healthy kingdom of God um, in a community. And I believe they are, for some reason, Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul says, the picture of the mystery of the gospel, which is so hard to understand, so hard to explain to people, how Jesus loves them. It's a lot like a really good marriage. For some reason, strong marriages give people a strong picture of the love of Jesus and of, and of God's kind of sacrificial, selfless, unconditional, agape love for them. So strong marriages are important to me. Yes, because as a youth pastor, I saw what, I saw what strong marriages resulted in for teenage kids who grew up and and became young adults. And I saw what uh, failing marriages and bad marriages and broken marriages did for teenage kids 
who who grew up and became um, young adults. Um, yes, marriages are important to me because I see I see the light in the eyes of men serving together and doing life together and studying scripture together in men's discipleship groups. Those who have strong, strong marriages, and I and I see the hurt in the eyes of men who are living through strained and contentious marriages and the same thing and the same thing with ladies. So all of the spiritual health that strong marriages bring are a hundred reasons why strong marriages should be important to us, even if they weren't important to God. But because God instituted the family, I think it's something that we ought to try to live in, that we ought to try to teach towards, that we ought to try to fight for. And I believe a church will never be stronger than the marriages of uh, the elders and the staff and the and the leaders and the volunteers of the church. So for us to be a strong church, to have strong impact in our community, we we gotta we gotta keep going and supporting those marriages and help and 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 feeding them so that they can be strong. And I think the message has been both fighting to keep it together, like last week, right? Fighting to. There may be some biblical reasons why someone can get divorced, but not only right. fighting to keep it together, but then the whole crutch, crutch has been for us to be able to help people have healthy marriages that shine the light of Christ. Yeah, one one real cool result of this series, um, kind of, I guess, this focus within this series, we're in a series called Chasing Perfection in Matthew 5, but this four-week little focus on Jesus and marriage because of the COVID year that we've been living through and the number of people who are now um, absorbing spiritual content uh, digitally. I can't tell you the number of people at our church who reach out to me weekly, who have strong marriages, who are sharing these messages with their kids and their grandkids and their friends and their neighbors, and sometimes their parents who do not have strong messages. And they're saying, watch this. I think, when I heard this message, I thought about you. Watch this and tell me what Jesus says. And I mean, some of them have have even been sharing their interactions back and forth with me of marriages who who wanted to quit, who said, you know what, maybe we should hang on a, a little bit longer. And even notes like we got two weeks ago on the Activate podcast from uh, somebody who's been divorced now and a single mom for 20 plus years who appreciates the truth and the sincerity and the transparency of these messages, um, and what they mean and what they mean for her. And it's funny because this, the last message of the marriage series is all about the adulterous, uh, woman and the divorced woman and how much Jesus loves them. So even in the midst of this little focus on learning how to have better marriages, um, we learn about a Jesus who desperately loves those who have come from broken marriages and the whole series just um just screams the grace of Jesus and the direction of God and the hope of God for families. Yeah. So I love how right in the midst of Matthew 5 here there's been this really great segment on not only are we digging into the Bible but helping people with some really practical things. You know, one of the statements you made really really stuck out to me and it was this. Before you were a defender of Jesus' righteousness, you were a destroyer of Jesus' righteousness. Always speak and act like you remember that. Why does this phrase need to be repeated in the mind of each of us and our listeners? So Larry Osborne's got a book called Accidental Pharisees that I recommended in 
either the last part of last year or the first part of this year. That, and you challenged me to read it, and I'm reading yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's great, <laughs> yes. right? Um, I've had dozens of people in the church who've picked it up and read it, and and have been deeply impacted by it. But here's here's the reality, Ryan. The the um, the more passionate you get for Jesus, and the more you are changed by walking in the ways of Jesus the more desperately you want everyone to experience what you have experienced and the more passionately you want to, you want to like defend Jesus. Like you, you're willing to fight at the drop of the hat if someone offends Jesus, but Jesus does like, Jesus does not need us like to be his bodyguard. Jesus does not need a security team. And often what we find ourselves doing is picking up rocks to in our mind, we think we're picking up rocks to defend Jesus from attack. But what we're doing is we're, we're attacking people that, I don't know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago were us and th- throwing rocks at anybody but Jesus doesn't do anything for anyone. So it's interesting. We, we, you know, we walk through this John eight text where everyone picked up stones to stone the woman. And nobody threw one except for the woman symbolically, because when Jesus said, nobody's willing to condemn you, she said, no, he said, then, then neither will I. But the only way he could say that is because he took her stoning on the cross of Jesus. So technically in a spiritual sense, in a theological sense, the only, the only one who was hit by a stone that day was Jesus. He was the only one who took the punishment for her sin. And what we have to realize when, when we get mad at sin, when, when we get angry or discouraged at sinners is that the answer is Jesus. He's already died on the cross. Um, and if, if we remember how many stones in our life had to be directed at him, to allow us to now be where we are in a position of relationship with him. It, it really makes us not want to pick up the stones and, uh, and throw them at anyone. Cause every stone we throw at someone for them to be forgiven of that, they need to turn around and, and throw it at Jesus. We just need to realize sin hurts Jesus way more than it hurts us, but he was willing to lay down his life for it. Um, and I love what James says. You got to speak and act like somebody who's been shown mercy, a lot of times we act spiritually like people who have been shown mercy, but we speak about others without mercy. And James just real simply just says, Hey, don't, don't do that. Larry Osborne would say that's an, that's an accidental Pharisee. It's, um, your heart is in the right place. Your pride is in the wrong place. Your heart is in a place of saying, I wish they would honor Jesus more. Your pride is saying, I will, I will make them do it. Um, that's, that's my job to do when really it's, it's not. It's, uh, it's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's scripture. Sure. Gentle reminders. Sure. Accountability. Um, but, but we got to be careful in realizing there's one judge, James says, and he's standing at the door and it's not us. It's Jesus. Um, and he not only doesn't pass judgment on us because of the cross, he certainly doesn't ask us to join him on a seat and help him judge the world. Um, he'll help, he asks us to help him rule the world eventually. Um, but it, it'll be his job to do that. And I think it's really important when we, when we are in any circumstance 
just to remember how gracious God has been to us when we consider how gracious we should be or could be to others. Yeah, I think Jesus talked about a speck and a log. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we and we're all guilty of it. Yep. Certainly. But I think it, it just really as I read that and as I heard it, I thought, man, that is that is a truth that all of us really need to hang on to. In, in, in fact, in, in talking about throwing rocks at Jesus, right, you, you talk about how he became the victim for our sin. Uh, he, he received the, the penalty for our sins. But you went, you went on to make another statement, I think is, is another good half of this. And I think it may be a challenge for some people listening. Um, you, you say, pick up your rock, throw it at Jesus. Right, you have to hear the context of the right. message. Fully understand that, but right. he's he's willing to pay for your sin, and then you say and walk away from sin as you begin to follow him. Yeah, right. Repentance. Can can you speak to the importance of striving to walk away from sin as you follow Jesus? Because no doubt, listeners, some who are listening now, that, that's a struggle. They know they're forgiven, but they're struggling. They're still walking. In sin on a regular basis, and they, they probably need to make some changes. Yeah, so so many people forget the last few words of, of the interaction that Jesus had with the woman caught in adultery. They just say, he didn't condemn her. I'm not condemning anyone. Matter of fact, Jesus doesn't condemn anyone. He literally doesn't even care about sin. That's not the context of that. Uh, Jesus freed her from condemnation by receiving that condemnation for her. But then he said... Go and leave your life of sin. So we said Jesus not only freed the woman caught in adultery from, um, for the, from, from the condemnation of sin. He also freed her from a life of sin. See, the cross frees us from the condemnation of sin. There, you, there's, you, you know, you're, you're now no longer condemned because Jesus died for your sins, but his Holy Spirit, and his word and his church um, and his community can free you from a life of sin, not just the condemnation of death, but a, but a life of sin as well. Um, and the apostle Paul, as he taught the church at Corinth, this, he said, man, when, like when we're reminded of everything Jesus did for our righteousness, it should make us want to perfect holiness in ourself out of a reverence for God. Like, we ought to think so highly of what Jesus did for us that we ought to be willing to lay down our life and follow him. Jesus said, what is it, what is it going to, what's, what's it going to be a game for you if you gain the whole world and, and lose your soul? Um, Hebrews 12 says, as you run your race, you got to lay aside everything that hinders you spiritually and the sin that tangles you up in life. Paul told Timothy in a large house, there are a lot of items. Some are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. And if you'll cleanse yourself from the latter, the garbage in your life, you'll be made useful to God. You'll be prepared for every good work. So, so there is this, you know, that, that we, we come to salvation by grace through faith. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. But once Jesus grabs a hold of our heart, he sets us on a different course of life. And even your question, um, can you speak to the importance of striving to walk away from sin as you follow Jesus? Ryan, one does the other. If you follow Jesus, you will walk away from sin. If you walk towards sin, you won't be following Jesus because they don't run on parallel tracks and they're not running in the same direction and they don't end up at the same spot. So really the... The way to overcome sin is to replace 
sin and sinful things and sinful places and sinful people with Jesus things and Jesus places and Jesus people and just keep pursuing Jesus because sin, Paul said it this way, don't give the devil a foothold. Sin is the thing that allows the devil to hang around in your life. And if you want less of the evil one and more of the holy one, you've got to be willing to walk away from sin. And it's going to be hard and it's going to hurt and it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt others. But ultimately, the healing that will come when you are willing to walk away from sin, name it, own it, admit it, confess it, ask for some help and begin a slow walk towards Jesus, which is always away from sin, um, is just going to is going to purify your life and it's going to get you ready to be useful for Jesus. It's a great discipleship step in, in each of our lives. And so if, if I was a listener, I'd probably record that or, or play it back and, and listen to that a couple more times uh, because it's it's been instrumental in each of our lives as we've grown in our faith. If we haven't done that, we've, we've struggled to be where God wants us to be, being used how God wants us to be. Uh, so, man, great reminder of... As you walk with Jesus, you will be walking away from sin. Yeah, and in Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17, Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit so you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature, for the Spirit desires things that are in contrast to your flesh, and your flesh desires things that are in contrast to your spirit. And then Paul kind of gives a list. He said the works of the flesh are obvious. He gives a bunch. The fruit of the Spirit is obvious. I think every person every now and then ought to look at their life and say, what are the works of my flesh? What are the things that I struggle with that keep me from bearing spiritual fruit. And they're going to be similar categories, but probably different and specific things for all of us that we just have to know this is some sin in my life that can really hinder me. And I got to walk away from it. If I want to have the fruit of Jesus in, in my spirit and out of my life. Yes. Um, Wednesday's daily reflection. If you're new to the podcast or new to our sermons that Pastor Christian, uh, Pastor Christian teaches, he talks about uh, having some daily reflections at the end so that during the week, Monday through Friday, you can have some things to study and reflect on. And Wednesdays was this, the key verse was John 4, 5. Uh, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And the key reflection was, in this verse, we contrast Jacob and Joseph. Jacob spent the first half of his life pursuing everything but God for happiness and only inherited misery. Joseph spent the first half of his life in miserable circumstances but found joy and purpose and impact in trusting God. So the question was, which which of the two were you most like from 13 to 30? Which are you most like today? Yeah, it's interesting in that the, all the spiritual history and spiritual application in that one little verse from a, a plot of land, um, a plot of land in Genesis 33 that becomes this great ministry location for Jesus in John chapter four with the woman at the well. Um, in, in contrasting Jacob and his youngest, most beloved son, Joseph, um, Jacob, who we, we translated his name in the Hebrew language means heel grabber. He was always trying to grab for something that that wasn't his, um, at his, at his birth, when he stole his brother's birthright, which was a larger portion of the inheritance, when he stole his brother's spiritual blessing, which was the spiritual inheritance, um, when, when he went to get his bride, and even though everything in culture said the 
older daughter has to get married first. He thought the younger daughter was better looking, so he wanted that one um, to the bounty that he collected from his father-in-law. He made his father-in-law lots of money and thought, I should be seeing more of this. His whole life was about trying to get more than he had, thinking, if I can just, if I can, if I was just born first, if I just had more inheritance, if I just had the spiritual blessing, if I just had the beautiful girl, if I just had a little more money, his whole life was if I just, he pursued everything in life, but God and his blessings thinking, once I get that, I'll have everything that I need. And then on the way home, he basically is running from one enemy, his father-in-law, and runs into another, his brother. And after 20 years of living for himself and acquiring everything that he ever could have wanted, he finds himself wrestling with God one night, basically saying, please, God, I have everything that I've ever wanted, but I don't have you and it's not enough. And I will not let you go until you now bless me and let me be connected with you for the rest of my life. And through that, he wrestles with God all night. God touches the socket of his hip, which leaves him with a limp the rest of his life. He he escapes from his father-in-law because God says, if you touch him, I'll kill you. He escapes from his brother because his brother's got everything he ever needs. And he and his family limp into Shechem. And he sets up an altar and says, God, it's been a long 20 years of living for myself, but I've realized nothing but you can satisfy me. His son Joseph was on that trip and had the opposite experience. He had everything given to him, even though he was not the firstborn son. He was his dad's favorite, even though he wouldn't have received more of the inheritance just through tradition and culture. His dad made him a coat of many colors and probably would have would have let him rule over his family, which eventually uh, he ended up doing ruling over all 11 of his brothers, but he gets sold into slavery and for a period of 12 years basically lives as a slave, wrongly imprisoned, but satisfied, happy, and useful. His dad, between the ages of 18 and 30, got everything that he desired, but was miserable because he wasn't pursuing God. Joseph, between the ages of 18 and 30, got everything no one would have wanted, but said he was successful and prosperous and everything because his heart was connected to and committed to and totally trusting in the God of the universe. If you were to ask me between 13 and 30, uh, which, which one of these guys I was, I was more Jacob than Joseph. There were moments of Joseph, um, but it's funny, the Joseph moments usually came in Joseph circumstances, uh, meaning I found myself Joseph when my, when my life's decisions had led to consequences that felt like prison. And I surrendered. And my Jacob moments were usually those moments when I got exactly what I wanted and realized how empty it was without Jesus. And those turned into moments of surrender. So both Jacob and Joseph ultimately get to the same place of total surrender and trust in God and a a deep, passionate, fulfilling relationship with God. But one had to learn, um, one had to learn the hard way by having everything and yet having nothing. And one got to, um, endure the hard times by having nothing, but in, but in God at the same time having, having everything. And I think a lot of people, usually it takes the hard knocks of life into their thirties, sometimes in their forties to realize, man, I think I'm chasing the wrong thing without, 
without Jesus. That Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will follow after me. If you get all those things before him, one day you look up and think, I think I've been chasing the wrong things. And sometime around 30, 35, 40, um, if God really gets a hold of your heart, you're willing to have nothing but Jesus. And usually that willingness is accomplished, uh, is accompanied by like it was for Joseph. When you're willing to have nothing but Jesus, often you get Jesus and the other things too, just like he promised in Matthew six thirty three. But now you can have gratitude from them. There are things that you're grateful for rather than things that um, are your God's. Great, uh, great uh, reflection that we hope you will take some time each week to do as well, whether it be by yourself or uh, as some of us have begun to do with with uh, family members or some accountability partners. Uh, just finally, in, in wrapping up, this message reminds me of our mission statement as a church. Right, we exist to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. In light of the encounter with Jesus. Uh, that the divorced Samaritan woman had, right? He, he said, you've actually had five husbands and she was like, wow, how does he know? How, how would you like to challenge our church and our listeners to think about hurting people around them and invite them to Easter services? Well, I, th- I think that there were several powerful, powerful parts, um, of the John four story. I think the, one of the biggest ones, um, was this lady basically saying, I have, I've been looking for how to find a connection to God and I don't know how. I think if the world would get honest, I think that's the statement that comes out. Whether you're 15 or whether you're at the end of your fifth marriage and now you're living with a sixth guy who's not your husband, I think if you could have an honest moment in your soul, you would say, like, if there, if there really is a God, um, I certainly would be interested to know, but somebody has to tell me about him. And she says this to Jesus, you go, go get your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right. You've had five and the man you now have is not your husband. And she said, I can tell you're a prophet. I've been looking for God. I have not received clear direction, but kind of like Job, just like Job said, my redeemer lives and I know he's, I know he's, I know he's going to come on that last day. She says, I've been looking for God and I know there, I know that if there's a God, he, he would send a savior. She called him Messiah to help me figure it all out when he comes, um, I'll finally find what I've been looking for. And Jesus said, I'm him. I'm him. Ryan, I think everyone in our community right now that doesn't know Jesus is the Samaritan woman. If there is a God, I would sure like to know him. And some people say one thing about him and some people say another thing. And some people say, I got to worship him this way. And some people say, I got to worship him another way. And there's even some spiritual people that I, that I look at and they really make, make me believe, yeah, there is a God, but I just don't know how to get to him. But if, but if there is a savior who could connect me to him, man, I would listen. And we would say there is, and his name's Jesus. And at, at our church, we take the, we take the spiritual history that has been turned into secular holidays, Christmas and Easter specifically. And we say, let's leverage those. 
people are going to celebrate the holiday. Let's introduce them to the history. Um, people are going to celebrate the culture. Let's teach them about the Christ. So uh, one of the unique times in the year where we really help people understand who Jesus is, is Easter. And at Easter, we will say to a people, and not not everyone. I mean, she, the Samaritan woman went back to her village and it said many, not all, but many were like, we've had, we've been on the same search. And many who heard, many of the many, so not even all of the many, but some of the many, decided we're going to follow him too because we've now heard him with our own ears and we've seen him with our own eyes. Um, not everyone who is invited, but many who are invited will come and not everyone who comes, but many of those who come will hear about Jesus with their own ears and see him with their own eyes and will think, this is what I've been looking for. This whole COVID year, when I've been hiding in my house, scared to death that, that I may not make it through the year, washing my hands 20 times, wearing wearing a mask, not, not going to work, not letting my kids go to school, just trying to survive one more day because I'm so uncertain about death and the things after death. I mean, if I hope there's a God, but I don't know. I've heard a lot of things about him. If there was somebody who could just help me understand, we, we would say there is, and his name is Jesus. But like all those townspeople who wouldn't have known that he was right outside by the well, unless she would have invited him. All of us have lots of friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus is coming. To, Jesus is coming to journey this Easter. Like he's, Get in your car, drive seven miles, drive 10 miles, drive 30 miles. Um, they just don't know that the Savior's waiting for them. And if someone will invite them, you got to come hear about this guy and his love for us. Many eyes will see, many ears will hear. Uh, some hearts will be changed forever because they'll meet Jesus like we have met Jesus. So if you're uh, listening, be prayerful about who God may place on your heart. You know, is we're all sinners, but certainly if there's someone you know who's struggling, seeking, and they might not even be actively seeking, but they, you may be an answer to their quiet prayer of inviting them uh, to church. And again, our Easter service times Thursday, uh, April first, six thirty; Friday, six thirty; Saturday, two, four, and six; uh, Sunday, seven a.m. Kind of a sunrise service, eight thirty a.m., ten thirty a.m., and noon. And the first and the last service will be a little more socially distanced for those of you who would like to come and be a part of one of those services. So, Pastor Christian, thanks again for uh, your wisdom and pouring the truth of the Scripture uh, into our podcast today. Thank you, our, our active listeners out there. Really glad you've decided to be a part of this. If you would, it would do us a, a big favor to share this, to rate it. Um, pass it on to, to friends and family as a learning tool, as a discipleship tool. And uh, we would love to hear how God's uh, working in your life. Or if you have a question for us, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Uh, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.